0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. Never before have so many people rallied around a common cause. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I co-lead a climate venturing practice at the design firm IDEO, supporting early stage climate founders and organizations. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and I've realized that when it comes to climate action, I'll be a lifelong learner looking for the best ways to have a climate positive impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you found us. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Find episodes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action At investedinclimate.com. Thanks for joining. Hi, everyone. We have a great episode today that's actually a perfect follow up to last week's conversation. In that last episode, we heard Jamie Beck Alexander from Drawdown Labs talk about the importance of finding your people. That is, finding colleagues in your workplace with whom you can collaborate and helping your company contribute more to climate progress. Today's guest offers a fantastic example of finding your people, but with a twist. Jason Scott has been recruiting his co-workers at Google to directly support climate startups as mentors and as investors. Jason is a partner at Anum, an early-stage venture fund. He's built funds and accelerator programs for Google, including accelerators for Black-led, women-led, and climate-focused companies. He's also launched Alphabet's Black Angel Group. He's offering his colleagues a way to have a tangible impact on climate change, to learn, collaborate, and to not miss out on the enormous opportunity of investing in climate tech companies. He has a ton of insights and some really practical advice for anyone interested in investing, or finding climate collaborators at work. Here we go. Jason Scott, welcome to Invested in Climate.
1: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so great to have you. Uh, Where do we find you these days? I think you're New York-based?
1: I am in New York uh, as of now. I'm usually on the road quite a bit, but in New York is where I reside.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks for connecting. So excited to hear about your journey and what you're doing and to share the insights that you're gathering around investing uh, in climate and supporting climate founders. Let's start off. You are wearing a couple of different hats, helping startups both through accelerators as well as through investment vehicles. Let's just get started by hearing about your work and especially as it's related to climate ventures.
1: Yeah, I wear probably three different hats that are relevant for this audience. So one of those hats, for the last few years, uh, four years or so, I've been leading Google's work, particularly our accelerator work, really supporting founders. With respect to climate, launched our first ever accelerator that's focused towards climate tech startups, and particularly in North America, but also around the world. And so have been doing that for the last four years. Uh, There's one of the hats, or the second hat that I wear, I'm really passionate about also just creating more opportunities for people to invest in startups themselves. And so I run a couple of angel collectives, most notably one of Black Googlers from around the world who invest in mission-driven companies and ethical companies uh, globally. And so have been leading that for the last year and a half or so. And then lastly, um, uh, also about a year and a half ago, launched my own fund um, and have been investing globally as well there uh, in founders in the pre-seed, seed stage uh, across five continents so far
0: fantastic okay so lots to dive into the accelerator, the angel groups and also uh, your new fund. Let's start with the accelerators uh, this is something that I know a bit about as designing and managing accelerators is actually a big part of what my team at uh, does at IDEO uh, and particularly in the climate space. Uh, so I, I know that every LX, uh, every accelerator is is of course a bit different. What makes Google's Climate Accelerator unique and what has really been the theory of change and differentiation that's been guiding you?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. And honestly, in launching accelerators, um, no, my role didn't exist before um, I came into it. And so I really wanted to make sure that we were doing something that was new and that was also Value additive to the ecosystem, and so one thing that I thought: What does Google do better than anyone else? Data, right? And so all of our accelerators um, that I run, particularly the climate one, are really focused on how do we help startups that are interested in or currently using data to really solve the issue that they're um, that they're. Their mission is all around and surrounds. And so in this case, what startups, climate tech startups are really using data, machine learning, um, and their, their infrastructure to really solve that and scale their impact. And how can we as Google really support them? And so bringing in kind of the best of the best when it comes to as i mentioned artificial intelligence and machine learning but also their infrastructure and also for a lot of these folks uh, particularly on the climate side that are have applications that are particularly maybe in agriculture or out in uh, low bandwidth ecosystems how do we also help them apply these advanced technologies in these ecosystems that maybe don't have access to high bandwidth internet right and so or very um expensive or high advanced devices, mobile devices, right? And so really applying what Google does best, because at the end of the day, I don't see a lot of data machine learning focused accelerators out there. And so for me, it was really, how do we kind of bring data machine learning to the climate tech space?
0: Fantastic. That really resonates, and actually is quite familiar. I think you know that I spent about seven years at Google myself, and really thinking about you, uh, Google's unique infrastructure and expertise, and figuring out how to support partners with it was always part of what what we would do. So that really makes a lot of sense. Let's just get a better understanding of the accelerator and the scope and the scale. About how many startups have you supported, and and what stage have you found to be the really the sweet spot for the accelerator?
1: Supported is an interesting word because I'm also a very inclusive person. And so uh, even for the startups that don't make it into the actual programs, I find ways to support them through one of my scaled programs. But through the accelerator itself, we run cohort annual cohorts of around 12 or so startups. That said, this is just for the climate accelerator. I have a few other accelerators that also have climate tech startups within them, um, some regional. So I run a Canada-focused accelerator, and there's a lot of actual interesting climate tech companies coming out of there, as well as out of Latin America and Sub-Saharan Africa these days. In addition to that, I run a lot of our accelerators for underrepresented founders. And I've actually been very pleasantly surprised how many of those have also been climate tech focused companies. And so um, all in all, probably about a hundred or so over the last few years um, that we've um, supported through the accelerator uh, program. But then, as I mentioned, um, it it takes a village, right? And so I know that these aren't going to be the only companies that are contributing towards combating climate, the climate crisis. And also given kind of where the data sits today, it will take a notable amount of companies and no amount of people, uh, really working towards moving us back in the other direction. And so I try my best for our accelerator, our companies that maybe aren't quite ready for the accelerator. Maybe they are too early because the accelerators were really focused on C to series A companies, or maybe they are a little bit too mature, find a way to really, uh, support them through Google as well. And so have really supported probably upwards of a few hundred or so companies over the last few years that are really focused on climate, because as I mentioned, it really does warrant as many folks uh, supporting and and combating climate crisis as possible. Um, And honestly, it's something that I personally feel really strongly about.
0: Great. Let's just get a little bit more tangible and give listeners a, a closer sense of, of the type of impact that you're creating. You know, maybe there's a couple of examples of companies that you've worked with and and maybe highlights. What has Google been able to do to help them get to the next level?
1: Yeah. One that I I love, and maybe it's because I'm local here, um, that comes up to mind is Block Power. So they're a startup. Now I think they're raising maybe their Series B stage now, but we've been working with them for a few years. They basically help retrofit buildings. New York has plenty of them. Retrofit buildings to make them more energy efficient, which, as you can imagine, is no small task. I walk down the streets of Manhattan quite often and see the building ratings that Some cases can be quite appalling, and so they really work with these buildings, these large skyscrapers, and some smaller buildings across the entire uh, northeastern United States to really figure out how do we retrofit them to make them energy efficient as if they were built today, but also supporting them in other ways. As part of their company, they've launched an initiative to really create climate focused jobs in tech as well and leveraging some of Google's platforms. So to help job seekers find jobs in the climate space and be employed by Black Power as well. And so that's also powered by Google, uh, some Google technologies as well. And so they've been a really close partner with us and also really involved Also in the angel group, which we'll talk about later. And then also outside of North America, so many, particularly in the ag tech sector, I think there's so much in the food value chain that can be optimized and made more efficient, whether it's in production livestock or whether it's in actual crops themselves or even in forestation in in that industry as well. So we've been working with quite a few startups to really help them. As I mentioned earlier, how do you apply really complex machine learning models in these areas that don't necessarily sometimes even have A broadband internet connection. And so we've been helping them build models that can maybe run on small Android devices or can run on low bandwidth internet to basically allow them to take these advanced solutions, whether it's helping diagnose crops or helping uh, diagnose and and support livestock, but do that for farmers and and for agriculture leaders around the world. And so that's been really, really cool to be able to, I was most recently uh, in sub-Saharan Africa a couple weeks ago, working with some of those uh, startups on the ground. And it's just a different world than we are exposed to in Silicon Valley, right? And and it really takes some innovative approaches to be able to take that technology into those areas where they are still most of the time not working in front of even a laptop, let alone able to run complex uh, machine learning models on the go, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, really exciting to think about the intersection of machine learning and AI and the decarbonization of traditional industries, right, is that advanced technology can really be an unlock and and help us accelerate progress for industries that have a long way to go in terms of decarbonization or just being more efficient and reducing waste. And technology like you're describing can clearly be a, a really big lever.
1: For sure. And I think my goal is to really allow any founder and any startup to be able to access, again, these advanced technologies in their own applications. Because as I mentioned earlier, the whole value chain that can really be impacted, right? Everything from, as we said, the agriculture industry to helping consumers uh, lead more sustainable and climate environmentally friendly.
0: Fantastic. For startups interested in Google's accelerators, is there a way that they can apply how can they be considered for future accelerators?
1: For sure, the thing that I tell everyone is, if, when all those spells just go to startup.google.com, and you'll see all the different programs that happen that happen or are coming up there. And, and to be to be fair, we try to keep things really topical and relevant, and so you'll see new things come up quite often, depending on kind of what are some of the issues. When COVID happened, you saw a lot of things focused on really supporting us in those with the pandemic. And so similarly, as of late, you've seen a lot more climate-focused initiatives as well that haven't existed before pop up there. So with all us fell startup.google.com, I will say I also try to be that liaison. So I'm always happy to and really excited to share opportunities for founders in any way I can. So on all of my social channels as well and through email and things like that. So in all us fell startup.google.com, but also feel free to reach out to me anytime because I see that as my job to really connect founders to the best opportunities to help their companies be successful.
0: Well, there's only one of you, but luckily there's many others at Google that are getting involved in this effort. And one of the ingredients to your secret sauce has has been including the skills and expertise of of your colleagues, other employees at Google. Has it been hard to recruit them to volunteer with the startups in in your cohorts?
1: I will say that that is the, the most pleasant surprise that I had when I first joined Google. And how many people are just willing to roll their sleeves up and volunteer for a cause, whether that cause be climate or racial or gender equity or any of the accessibility. But there are Googlers around the world who donate upwards of a day a week to really just support causes that are really near and dear to them. And so for me, no, the answer is no. I have about 350 or so Googlers who Raise their hand to support my founders, and they do so with a smile on their face. And honestly, it's funny because they often are thanking me for the opportunity. And so, I think that's something might be unique to Google, but is very much a secret sauce to our programs in that we have such an army of folks that are volunteering to help. And I think those are the best types of folks, right? Because they're if they're volunteering, they're just inherently motivated to help our founders succeed. And so, if the day comes where I'm no longer in this role, I will very much, very much that because working with the Googlers and, and seeing how passionate they are in combating co- climate, the climate crisis and, and combating climate change uh, has been something that helps me uh, stay motivated as well in, in these times.
0: Yeah, that definitely resonates. And again, it's familiar to my experience while I was at google.org. We would be bombarded with interest. A question for you, though, what do the managers of those volunteers say? I mean, their volunteer work might be really impactful, but it could also be seen as a distraction from their core responsibilities.
1: It's a good point. And I will say it does vary a little bit depending on where in the world you are. There are different kind of working norms depending on uh, different kind of local cultures and things like that. But ultimately, Googlers, I think, as a whole, and oftentimes, sometimes the managers get involved themselves. They hear, oh, you're working on this cool project? I would love to volunteer as well, right? And so I think that's something about the Google culture where people know that it's a good for everyone. It's good for the companies that we're supporting, our users that we're supporting. It's good for the employees. It keeps them engaged and excited and they're working on something. But it's good for the managers because if their employees are engaged and excited about their time at Google, they're probably going to stay at Google longer, right? And so a lot of the managers are quite supportive of that because they know that at the end of the day, the are it's not coming at the expense of their, their day jobs. They're still getting their day jobs done, but they're also just extracurricularly able to get more satisfaction out of working at Google by supporting our founders
0: yeah it's it's fascinating and actually a really sad fact of the low number of engaged uh, the low numbers of engagement of employees especially in the United States it's something like less than a third of employees feel that they are highly engaged in their work I wrote a blog post about this a few years ago and so things that can boost the creativity the energy the excitement the the engagement of employees even if it's not part of their core job but just turns them on to the work that they're doing and the company that they're at are definitely opportunities worth considering.
1: I agree. At the end of the day, I have so many managers tell me that through working through our programs, They've seen their employees just be so much more excited to go to work, right? And so, for me, that's the secondary benefit of the programs that we're able to do. I'm able to offer also Googlers something awesome and impactful and meaningful to do, which I think, particularly in the times of the pandemic, uh, you've seen so much research around how people are looking for that meaning in work, right, and are looking for
0: Yeah, and something that we hear often when we run uh, mentorship programs through our programs at IDEO is that the mentors end up reporting that they've learned a lot from those that they're mentoring. Uh, and so, there is this cross-learning it's not just a one-way thing. Let's turn to the other ways you're supporting startups through investments. And your approach has also been to build investment vehicles by collaborating with your colleagues. So again, it's about bringing those people that are around you in to create more impact. Let's start with the angel groups that you've been building.
1: Yeah. yeah, you'll see similar things across my, my, my professional life. I tend to see what works and just apply it anywhere else I can. And so similar logic here. We, I just realized uh, a few years ago that first and foremost, I initially got an adventure. I was working for Adventure venture fund. When I left that venture fund, I was doing some scout investing. And so that was kind of my first foray into angel investing and having that autonomy and, and investing. And then finally was fortunate enough to have enough capital to be able to start angel investing my own capital. And, and I just kind of realized that there's so much excitement, but also opportunity, um, both for yourself uh, to create kind of generational wealth, and um, but also for these companies to be able to not just support them, as I say in my day job, but also support them financially, right, and really help get them to that next level, particularly in spaces like climate, or when you're talking about underrepresented founders, where they have traditionally struggled to get your average Silicon Valley investor to really understand what is the big win for them for their LPs, et cetera. And so I think angel investing has really changed the game for investors. And so for me, it was a no brainer. I was like, Hey, we have all these people who've come into a little bit of wealth themselves, maybe through working in tech for a few years or, or specifically working at Google for a few years. And so let's teach them how to do something with their capital. If you're choosing just to leave your capital in your savings account or leave it in your, your company stock, you are making an active choice to invest in your company. And so my whole thought there was let's, teach people other opportunities or other alternative paths for their capital and let them decide. And so I started an angel investing school at Google. Uh, Through that angel investing school, really had so much momentum and so much excitement that decided to create a collective of, of new slightly experienced angel investors to come together and start investing their capital together, but not just investing capital together, do the due diligence together and really combine their areas of expertise and experiences, but also support the founders together. There's so much power, right? And really coming together as a community to both figure out what are good investments and also bring your talents to those founders to really help those companies hit those inflection points. And so started that and have been doing the Black Angel Group specifically as one of the ones, I guess that's most, that's largest of the collectives over the last year and a half or so, since we kind of publicly launched and have done quite a few investments, upwards of a million dollars or so, so far, investing alongside some of your uh, major VC funds, but also helping them discover some companies that they maybe have never seen before. And so that's been, again, one of the most rewarding things I've done uh, because I'm not just supporting founders and maybe some founders that wouldn't have had access to that capital previously, but supporting people and really changing their own lives, right? Because so many of the stories you hear about these angel investors in Silicon Valley who invested early in Google or early in Facebook and It's a game changer, right, for their lives, their own lives and their families' lives and for generations to come, honestly.
0: Tell us how it's going uh, and just give a sense of scale. How many people are are getting involved in the angel groups and black angels specifically and also deal flow? How many deals are you able to look at?
1: Perfect timing because we just had our quarterly kind of wrap up. So I have all those numbers. So, and, uh, so
0: you know the numbers. Great.
1: <laughs> I know the numbers. Uh, but yeah, we have, we have 55 members currently scaling very quickly, but 55 members as of today. We have done, I won't give exact numbers, but we've done about a million dollars in investing over the last 13 months and about 12 deals. And so those deals have come through a few different channels. Some have come from the Googlers themselves. Again, we have members in Europe and Africa and Latin America, et cetera, who have been able to surface awesome companies local to them. But then some of them have come from some of uh, our partners. And so we partner with some VC funds that kind of match our values and kind of our our thesis and basically allow us to invest alongside them uh, in some of their deals as well. And so it becomes a cool relationship in which they're sending us awesome deals and we're sending them awesome deals as well. And so it's been great progress. I'm excited to see where the next 12 months go. As I mentioned, we've only been doing those investments over the last kind of 14 months call it, let's say, as, as a collective. And so it, it's been incredibly powerful because otherwise who would have been able to individually deploy this much capital? Um, and also be able to support these founders in the, uh, an army of 55 people who have expertise ranging from, again, as I mentioned earlier, kind of AI machine learning all the way to how do you do business development and partnerships at scale to supply chain to all of the other expertise areas that we have within the group itself.
0: Fantastic. Let's double click just to understand a bit more of the mechanics. How does it work? If you're a member of the collective, do you have to put in a minimum? Do you just get to look at each deal as it comes? How does it work and what does it really mean to be a collective member?
1: Yeah. So as of now, we don't pull physically pull the capital, but we do have a commitment threshold. And so everyone commits to investing just a, a nominal amount, uh, $10,000 or so a year in any investment they want, right? And so it's opt-in for each deal. And so it's on us. We I view our members as our customers on us to make sure we're bringing deals and surfacing deals that people actually want to invest in. With that, we also uh, do commit everyone to not just investment, an investment commitment, but also an operational commitment. So everyone supports the group itself. And so you can imagine all the different functions that it takes to kind of keep the group running, but also everyone has a commitment to our founders. And so everyone donates about two to three hours a month or so towards actually supporting our founders as well. And so all of that together really makes it a, a true community-run organization. And so everyone basically is able to say, hey, I'm willing to make those commitments. I'm excited to join this group. That's kind of our selection criteria for membership. And then people join the group for a year term at, at once. And on the investment side, we do that for those who might be not be familiar, we do it through something called a special purpose vehicle. And so people basically, for each deal lead creates a special purpose vehicle, maybe through a platform like AngelList or some of the other platforms that exist. And Everyone then invests in that specific vehicle, which then goes to that startup. And so you'll see on the startup's list of investors, uh, which we call the cap table, you'll see the Black Angel Group and the name of that special purpose vehicle.
0: Right. Given your focus on investing in underrepresented founders, I'm really curious, are you seeing much intersection with the climate space? One would hope that especially with an interest in climate justice and really as we build a new decarbonized world in response to climate change, that the opportunity is more inclusive and the result is more equitable. Are you seeing underrepresented founders get into climate tech and climate opportunities generally?
1: Definitely. And so one thing I will say, when I say underrepresented founders, I also think of it through a few different lenses. there's, of course, underrepresented genders and races, but also ethnicities, but also geographies. And so across the board, I have seen a lot more be able to get into climate tech. And because for a lot of them, that is one of the biggest issues for their communities, right? And I think a lot of these founders are building solutions for their communities, whether they are founders, as I mentioned, a couple weeks ago, I was in sub-Saharan Africa. And of course, A lot of the founders in sub-Saharan Africa check a a few different boxes when it comes to representation, both geographically, because there haven't been as many venture dollars outside of Africa going into the climate space or ag tech space in on the continent. But also, a lot of them come from racial and ethnic backgrounds that have also been traditionally underfunded and under-resourced in the startup community. But the same thing can be said around Latin America and also the U.S. If you look at a lot of the geographies in the U.S. that have a lot of promise for actually impacting sustainability and climate change. A lot of them haven't received a lot of venture capital dollars in the past as well. So you think about the Midwest, Midwest, as well as the Southeast United States as well. And So it's been really, really exciting to see a lot of these geographies be more represented. As you asked, a lot of them creating climate and sustainability focused solutions for their communities, but also a lot of these um, underrepresented founders that have traditionally not had access to funding as well. The one I mentioned earlier, Black Power, is founded by uh, a black man in in the United States as well. And it's been awesome to see his successes and, and see that he's raising hundreds of millions of dollars for a climate tech focused company that is really supporting particularly underprivileged residents in New York, because those are typically the ones that have the most need for this retrofitting when it comes to their buildings that they live in and and the communities that they're residing in as well.
0: Yeah, Black Power is a phenomenal company. We'll include a link in the show notes so folks can check them out. And I was excited. I think last year, they announced that they're actually beyond just doing a neighborhood, they made an agreement with the city of Ithaca to do a citywide yeah. retrofitting investment and program. Uh, so very ambitious, very cool company, and awesome to hear that you've been behind them.
1: That announcement actually happened right after our accelerator. (laughs) So I was very,
0: very excited to see that happen. Very cool. That's great. Jason, you've been in the space for many years investing in all sorts of different companies. I'd love to just ask about this moment that we're in for climate investing. Is it a particularly good moment to be investing in climate startups or to be joining or working for or starting climate startups? How do you see the opportunity right now for addressing climate through entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be blunt, I think it is, and the reasoning is not one that I'm super excited about, but I think so much of it depends on kind of your, the general kind of political climate is one big factor. And I think just generally because um, of our current political climate, you've seen a lot more over the last year and a half or so, just micro funds pop up or a lot more support from the corporate entities and the corporate investing as well, or a lot more general public sector entities as well being involved and rolling up their sleeves and doing partnerships, the city of Ithaca, as you mentioned, doing the partnerships with Black Power. So I think a lot of it, unfortunately, does kind of follow kind of where our political climate is from time to time. However, uh, I do think, to answer your question, it is a great, a great time for right now. I was I've seen so many, um, not just in North America, but so many new accelerators, funds, angel investing collectives, and also just uh, startup hubs and communities pop up over the last couple of years. And it does feel like we're at another inflection point where there is a big eye. How do we collectively use technology and startups to really save our planet? And so I hope. I hope, I hope, I hope that lasts similar to how I gave a talk on kind of the moment we were in with respect to racial equity in North America at, back in 2020 and said the same thing. I really hope, hope, hope that this attention and this investment from corporate entities, from public sector entities continues to a focus over the next couple of years and beyond. But time will tell. But I do think for those that are out there thinking about starting a climate focused startup For sure, do it today. Because again, while there's capital, while there's companies willing to partner with you, while there's companies willing to take a risk to to have you be their uh, first supplier within a specific space, this is the time to do that. And so, and hopefully, you gain enough traction and momentum that it doesn't just because or it's not just about doing the right thing, but people also see the business opportunity there as well. Because I think that is kind of the the trick you have to get from it being something that people are doing because it feels good to people also saying like, oh, this also makes sense for me in a financial capacity as well. And you'll get more investors, more corporate entities, etc, really doubling down on the solutions that you're building.
0: The openness to partnerships is something that we hear about all the time too, that big corporations are making net zero commitments without necessarily knowing all of the ways in which they're going to uh, fulfill their obligations. And so partnering with new startups uh, and other organizations has been something that they just need to be more open to and really seeing uh, themselves as, as part of an ecosystem rather than trying to go it alone.
1: Oh, for sure. I say that note quite often as well. Like at Google is true as well. Um, and I don't know if anyone would be upset for me saying this, but usually the commitment comes before the process. So oftentimes I tell my founders, that's actually a great way to find your allies and your support and your financial resources, et cetera. See what these companies are committing to and then be their solution to actually fulfilling that commitment. Because oftentimes the commitments, as you mentioned, uh, Jason, the commitments come before their actual solutions or the process for actually fulfilling those commitments.
0: So let's go into your other investment hat that you're wearing, which is that you're moving from uh, investment collectives to now a formal fund. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the motivation was very organic. It was that, hey, I see so many deals and we see so many deals and have a limited amount of capital when you're only deploying personal capital. You do have limitations in how much capital you can deploy. And so the idea and kind of motivation to raise a fund was very much out of, hey, we have this big opportunity and we need capital to fulfill that opportunity because we see so many awesome founders. And so over the last, again, about 12 months or so have really doubled down on raising the fund and launching the fund and have to date done about 21 investments through the fund, all early stage, kind of preceded seed. But it's been really exciting to see how those companies have continued to mature and grow very quickly. And so people warned me when I I was raising fund, they said, fundraising never stops because you'll always have opportunity. And so I'm kind of in that position now where continuing to raise capital to be able to continue to support these founders because um, they're doing amazing work and continuing to really hopefully change the world.
0: What kind of investors are you looking for?
1: Investors that really are aligned with some of the themes that i was mentioning earlier with the first the most of which being kind of access and opportunity for business starters and entrepreneurs around the world that have not necessarily been proximal to silicon valley or have fallen victim to the proximity biases of silicon valley and traditional venture capital and so for me i've just seen that there are so many awesome entrepreneurs where if they had an influx of capital they could really take those businesses to the next level, whether they be in sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America or Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia. And so for me, it's really about finding these these founders, which luckily my job at Google really helped me build those bridges and build those connections to those local ecosystems, but getting them access to the capital and the resources that can really help them hit that inflection point. Because otherwise, they end up not having the ability and same opportunity as those founders that, again, kind of maybe grew up in Palo Alto and, and walked across the street and raised $10 million on a napkin idea, right? And not to say that's anything wrong with that. That's also great that that opportunity exists as well. But there's just so much um, low-hanging fruit I, I see out there in terms of founders that are already building profitable or nearly profitable businesses that just need capital to really scale, especially in the climate space when you involve a lot of times complex supply chains or hardware or or service large teams, operational overhead. And so I really, really find that for me, again, it was a no brainer because these opportunities just were falling into my lap. And so we just really needed the ability to fund them.
0: I'm going to guess that there's some listeners that hear this and want to get involved, either in one of the investing collectives or the fund itself. What's the best way for them to reach out? Is there a contact form on your webpage or where should they go?
1: Yeah, you jokingly uh, laughed when I said, just reach out to me, but I, you'd be surprised how responsive I am on, on when people do reach out to me. So anyone can truly reach out to me because I I probably spend too much time making sure that I'm looking through those things and, and connecting the right people to the right opportunities. That said, for the fun, it's just animfun.com and there is a contact form there. And then for the Black Angel Group in particular, it's similarly blackangelgroup.com and there's a contact form there as well. But again, I'm always happy to be reached out to because my ultimate kind of thing that gives me energy is just connecting the right people to the right problems. And so I get a lot of energy out of uh, helping people find a way to make a difference and have an impact and and also change their own lives.
0: Great. We will include those links in the show notes. Uh, You'll find them on investedinclimate.com. Jason, I love that your approach really is highlighting the fact that our potential climate collaborators Are already all around us. In an earlier episode with Jamie Beck Alexander from Drawdown Labs, she described that the first step to engaging in climate work is to find your people. And your work really validates that notion that there's now widespread interest in addressing climate change and doing so by leveraging our skills and potentially our financial resources. And this means that, especially for people at large companies, you're likely surrounded by a lot of potential collaborators. Aside from investing and volunteering in accelerators, have you seen other ways in which colleagues are working together to create positive change on on issues they care about?
1: Definitely. I think, I mean, you see it even at Google, there's a a group of about 2000 or so Googlers who are just passionate about climate change, sorry, combating climate change, not passionate about climate change itself, but combating climate change and around the world. And they literally have very simply created a community where Uh, There's a chat community, there's monthly meetups, there's digital meetups, there's digital showcases of everything, everything from jobs and sharing jobs in the climate sector to obviously share my startups and ways that they can support startups, sharing investment opportunities, but also just sharing awesome wins so that people can know like, hey, this is a cool thing coming out of my country or out of my company or out of my community uh, that would love your support amplification on social amplification through your local community. And so uh, I think there's a a lot of power in just connecting people of common interests. And so I'd say the first step is really just finding your people. And once you kind of create a community or create a channel for those people to connect all the magic starts to happen. And again, a lot of that stuff that I mentioned earlier was super organic, but now if I know someone is looking for a job and climate, I send them to that group. If I know someone is looking for startups that are interesting and to invest in, and I send them to that group. If, If I know someone that's just interesting for cool technology that they can maybe, buy and take home that will help their home be more sustainable. I send them to that group because it's become that powerful kind of warehouse for all things climate, at least for us at Google. And so I think there's really small ways that you can have a lot of impact because it doesn't take a lot to really just create the infrastructure for the community. And then it just starts to grow like a, like a flywheel itself. And so I, I, I will say that the people who run that community at Google often tell me, it remind me that they're doing this voluntarily. And so they are, they're now kind of have a second job, but they also have yeah. it, right? And they continue to do it. And so, and I think hopefully that it turns into also a really awesome opportunity for them beyond Google moving forward because they've now kind of created their own reputation as the people who, at least for the 2,000 plus Googlers around the world who are passionate about sustainability and climate, they're the people who have created this community for them to Find access to awesome opportunities. If you made it this far through this talk, you're probably wondering, as you said, like, what can I do, or how can I kind of start getting involved in the space, or how can I amplify my involvement today? And I say, just just start. Honestly, like I, I truly tell yeah. people, like a lot of the things I've been doing today just came out of me saying, like, hey, this seems like it could be interesting, it could be cool. Let me just start trying, start run a small pilot, or gather the angel group let's get people on a call and just see like what happens and from there right and so i say don't be burdened by feeling like oh is this the right decision for me or or choice paralysis right you just run an experiment and and see how the experiment goes and and Either say, hey, I'm going to double down on this or, hey, I'm going to abort mission on it. And so I think people get paralyzed by what if this doesn't go as I expect it to go or I have too many choices. And I, I just tell people, hey, at the end of the day, you, you just have to kind of try by doing. And that's kind of how I see most of these things start that turn into really great initiatives and really great, impactful initiatives both in my company, but also just out in the world.
0: I love that. And once you get started, you realize that a lot of other people are just like you, just getting started and learning as they go. So you instantly have community. A final question for you, Jason. This podcast, Invested in Climate, aims to help people do more to address climate through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. We've talked a lot today about work and invest. So I'm curious, particularly for advancing progress in the climate crisis. Are there other actions in those other categories of learning, lifestyle, and activism that you think are really effective and important and that listeners should consider?
1: Yes, (laughs) for sure. But I think, in all of the above, I think learning people are listening to this podcast. So they're definitely trying to expand their knowledge and kind of their their understanding of what people are doing and opportunities are out there. So keep doing that. I think on the lifestyle side of things, I often tell myself, what are small things that I can do, whether it be technology I adopt, or of course, as a, as a technophile, I am an early adopter of a lot of technology, but what are substitutes I can make? Oh, so for instance, I, at some point decided to become pescatarian. I knew I couldn't go all the way to vegetarian, but I was like, let me at least become pescatarian. That's a small thing. And then also it's really the, when I decided to do that, like it opened my eyes to all all the different kind of things out there. And now I will say I'm an alternative protein nerd. I like I've become an investor in the space. I've become really passionate about it because you just discover all these, this world that you didn't know before. And so I tell people like, start just looking out there, like see if you're working in startups, see what cool technology that you can maybe just become a beta user for, or, or try bring home. And it might actually be something that you're like, wow, this actually has allowed me to really feel like I'm actually having an impact on a day-to-day basis. And so I, kind of what I was saying earlier, biased action, but also just not being afraid to kind of explore and try things. Again, not everything has to succeed, but you might find something that really fits you, fits your lifestyle, fits, creates a long-term change for you and your families.
0: Love that. We should nerd out a separate time on alternative protein, something I'm definitely interested in well. And in fact, we're doing an upcoming episode with the founders of Exponential Impact, a, a new fund that is focused on synthetic bio. And so stay tuned for that episode. Jason Scott, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've learned a lot, loved hearing your story and definitely wish you a lot of luck for those many hats that you're wearing and the impact you're creating.
1: Thank you for having me. And as I mentioned earlier, please do reach out anytime, both to you and to your listeners. I'm always happy to really help support connecting you to awesome opportunities and getting to awesome founders.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.